Whoever made up his mind that God himself had chosen him to be the Lord Protector. So he had the king beheaded, but the king's son was offended. Had to find a way to quell his royal blooded temper. In 1658, Dr. George Bate embalmed the deceased body of Oliver Cromwell, the Lord Protector of England, Scotland, and Ireland. Little did he know a portion of his handiwork would still be admired for 300 years after the funeral. I'm Mark Hartsman, and you're listening to The Curious Adventures of Oliver Cromwell's Head on Weird Historian. Cromwell, who led the charge in beheading King Charles I in 1649, was buried in Westminster Abbey, but exhumed just a few years later, in 1661, when Charles II restored the monarchy. The new king wished to avenge his father's death by hanging Cromwell and beheading him posthumously. To deter any potential regicides from following in Cromwell's parliamentarian footsteps, the embalmed severed head was placed on a spike atop Westminster Hall, it remained there for 25 years, overlooking London through the Great Plague, the Great Fire, and the subsequent rebuilding of the city. A heavy storm eventually snapped the head's wooden stake, and Cromwell tumbled to the ground, beginning a journey through England for the next 275 years. Cromwell's head passed through many hands during this time, including museum owners and entrepreneurial showmen, before ultimately finding a home with a family named Wilkinson which bequeathed the artifact through five generations. Many questioned the head's authenticity during its travels, and impresarios with imposter heads attempted to capitalize on the embalmed curiosity. Doubt was finally put to rest in the 1930s, after a eugenicist, Carl Pearson, and an anthropologist, Jeffrey Morant, declared it genuine in a lengthy and heavily detailed publication. Just a few decades later, the head's final owner, Horace Norman Stanley Wilkinson, decided to rebury the relic at Cromwell's alma mater, Sydney Sussex College at Cambridge University, in 1960. It remains there today, interred in an unspecified location within the school's anti-chapel. Read the full story, written from the perspective of Oliver Cromwell's embalmed head, in my book, the Embalmed Head of Oliver Cromwell, a memoir, available at CuriousPublications.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or any other place you buy books online. And at the end of this episode, be sure to listen to the full theme song, Hey Oliver Cromwell, written and performed by Steffi Copeland. Many body parts of famous people have had posthumous adventures, like Cromwell's head. 
In this next story, we'll talk about a few of them belonging to Galileo, who famously risked his life for his celestial beliefs. He has three fingers that still point triumphantly toward the sky to this day. The astronomer was put under house arrest in 1633 by the Catholic Church for supporting the Copernican model of the universe. When Galileo died in 1642, he was denied a burial at the Church of Santa Croce in Florence, where other family members and many of history's great minds have been entombed, including Michelangelo and Dante. The Grand Duke of Tuscany had wished to give the great scientist a proper burial and monument, but Pope Urban VIII considered such an action to be a dreadful insult. The Pope, however, allowed a burial in a crummy, unmarked corner of the basement. It wasn't until 1737 that attitude shifted and money was donated allowing a proper mausoleum to be built for him within Santa Croce. That's when opportunity struck for several eager admirers. During the transfer of his body, three fingers and a tooth were taken. This practice was commonly done with saints whose Catholic followers believed the sacred relics held powers. Two of the fingers, the index finger and thumb of his right hand, and a tooth were kept by the Marquis Capone. He placed them in a lovely glass container, encased in a wooden box with the carving of Galileo's head atop it. The relics were passed down through several generations. They didn't resurface in public until 1905, when they were put up for auction. An article with the headline, Galileo's Finger for Sale, from the April 5, 1906 Christian Advocate, spoke of the event. What is the finger of a dead scientist worth? This question has been stirring all Florence, the thumb and index finger of the right hand of Galileo having recently been offered for sale in that city by an old woman. Being in straitened circumstances, she tried to obtain the highest offers for her strange property. The government, getting wind of the affair, caused an investigation to be made, and ascertained that these relics of the great astronomer were genuine. The only question still to be discussed is the matter of price. Upon this point, experts will undoubtedly be called in. There are no reports of the final price of sale or who bought them. The fingers and tooth disappeared once again until another auction in 2009. The buyer contacted officials in Florence and the fingers were returned to the city where the rest of Galileo is entombed. However, they remain about 500 meters apart. The fingers are now on display in the Museo Galileo, along with the one other finger taken in 1737 by Anton Francesco Gori. That digit, the middle finger, sits besides the others in a separate glass egg display and has been in the museum's possession since 1927. Previous to that, it had been exhibited in Florence's Biblioteca Lorenziana and the Tribuna di Galileo. In 1992, Pope John Paul II formally acknowledged the Church had mishandled things with Galileo. He issued a declaration admitting the Church's erroneous views regarding Galileo's scientific observations and beliefs. Still, while all three fingers point to the sky, perhaps the middle finger can be interpreted with a different message. Thanks for listening. Weird Historian is brought to you by me, Mark Hartsman. The theme song was created by Steffi Copeland. 
She also wrote and performed Hail Ever Cromwell. Hear the full song in just a few seconds. And hear more of Steffi's music on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you get your digital tunes. The voice of the journalist was played by Layla Hartsman. This episode was edited and mixed by Igniter Media. For more strange stories, check out my site, weirdhistorian.com, and follow at weirdhistorian on Instagram. Until next time, have a weird day. So the guy was forced to sell the embalmed head to make ends meet.